You see them often, maybe every day, maybe far less often. They open your car doors at carpool. They wave hello as you drive in. They teach classes, they coach, advise, they lead, they write, they inspire. They keep the facilities humming, the bills paid, the food served hot and delicious, and so much more. But how much do we really know about each other? Everyone here at Shadyside Academy has a story, and in learning other stories, we can create a more connected and inclusive community. I'm Chad Green, Dean of Student and Residential Life at the Senior School. And I'm Lauren Lieberman, Director of College Counseling. Welcome to Beyond Hello, a podcast production bringing you stories from the people who shape our community. So Lauren, Paul Azak, we just spoke to Paul. What what a man, what a uh, kind of a, a legend in his own right already at, at Shadyside. Um, an alum of the school, um, a longtime teacher, worn a lot of different hats. Um, but we, we uncovered some things that we did get a little deeper than maybe what people have, have known about Paul. For example, he was a McKnight Lane Thunderbolt, which you'll have to just listen to get the full story on, but you'll know that, that Paul is a big bowler. He's part of a Thursday night league that we, that a couple of different faculty members are part of. Um, but he, we got the origins of his bowling story, which I thought was cool. Um, and, and a little bit of just kind of his, his effusive and just real enthusiasm for all that he, all, all that he pursues, uh, whether it's personal or professional. Um, and it's just fun to kind of connect the dots like with, with him uh, and how kind of the evolution of his career, the evolution of his time at Shadyside. What, what stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, this was really fun for me. I have memories of Mr. Azak being the very young, very cool uh, teacher when I was at Shadyside. And it's he is one of those people where now it's uh, several, many decades later, and he looks the same. <laughs> I'll just start there. He pretty much looks the same. And his enthusiasm for teaching English and coaching cross country and um, like inspiring kids through reading, writing, literature is exactly the same. And that, you know, it's just, it's really, it's really impressive to see. And I think it was, it, I mean, for me, it's just so much fun to be able to work with someone like that and to have him, you know, talk about what that was like for him to come back and work with Buddy Hendershot, you know, for me personally, that really resonated because I have those same feelings. And Paul Azak is one of the people I remember <laughs> coming back to teach when I was a student. So to kind of listen to that and process that, um, there's real personal connection there for sure. I'm a little bit shocked that he's a Disney guy. I definitely did not see that coming. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you what, what, what if anything surprised you? Um, yeah, I never that. would have expected that. Paul would be the uh, all all in on shoot. What did he say? Living the life of the mouse? No, it was the same. Worshiping at the house of the mouse. <laughs> I think worshiping at the house of mouse. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, and just really cool to see um, or to hear more about his 
his take on on teaching and and his just real love for obviously the the text the literature itself but also the opportunity to work with with these these kids that we all get to work with and that i think that's what stood out to me is that just how lucky we are to have somebody like paul at shady side because he's a great example of uh, a really outstanding teacher that frankly could be doing any number of other things um, like he mentioned, you know, he could be, Paul Azak could be a super successful person on Wall Street or in a law firm or a, as a, maybe a doctor or, you know, something, but he chose to teach and, you know, to, to think that of the, the incredible impact that he's had uh, and will continue to have, um, you know, it just makes me feel as a colleague, I'm just, you know, I feel lucky to, to be able to work, work, work with him. Um, and to, to know that he's part of our community. Me too. Me too. And it makes me glad we're doing this because it is really fun to get to know people in this way. Well, uh, enjoy our conversation with Paul Azak. Episode five. We're so happy to be here with our special guest today, Paul Azak. Hi, Paul. Welcome to Beyond Hello. Hello, Lauren. Thank you for having me. Good to good to uh, talk with you and Chad. Yeah, and we're uh, we're still in our our home COVID nineteen quarantine setup. So we've got the three of us on the screens, and we're doing the recording thing. And these weeks seem to be just rolling along from home. <laughs> so Paul, tell us um, a little bit about who you are and what you do at Shadyside. Okay, so I teach in the senior school English department. I've been teaching at Shadyside since 1997. I uh, came back in the fall of 1997 and I teach uh, freshmen. I teach Foundations One and also in the upper form elective program. And outside of the classroom, I have coached I am currently the head cross-country coach for the boys. Uh, in the past, I also was the head coach of the track and field team. And uh, once upon a time, I, I uh, was one of the dorm parents in Croft. Nice. So you said you came back here in 97. You returned from <laughs> where? Uh, I was uh, teaching up at Kimball Union Academy. I was at a seven-day boarding school in Meriden, New Hampshire. Uh, and it was a great place. I had oh, a great uh, experience there. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I just said, I, I know it well. <clears throat> oh, good. Yeah, it's a great, uh, really good people. I was having a really good experience there. Uh, but I had left word with some folks here at Shadyside that it was my uh, ambition. It was, you know, corny as it sounds, it was kind of my dream uh, to come back and teach at my alma mater. And so when a spot opened up, uh, Tim Vincent, who was the chair at the time, he gave me a call to let me know, asked me if I would be interested. And so uh, I applied and it, uh, it worked out. I, I've been here ever since. And so what grades did you attend Shadyside yourself as a student? Uh, senior school, uh, nine through 12. I uh, graduated in 1989. And what, um, what drew you to teaching? Like when you left Shadyside, did you know you were gonna be an English teacher or what? what <laughs> What drew you to this kind of work? 
Yeah, I can't say no. I, I definitely did not know when I was at Shadyside or when I left Shadyside that I would, you know, be making my way back. Uh, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I felt like, you know, my, my default setting probably was law school because I had a couple brothers uh, who had gone into law. And so I thought I probably uh, would maybe follow in their footsteps. But I, I hadn't really given it any kind of deep consideration. And then, you know, junior year of college rolled around. That was the time, you know, when people started asking questions like, so what are you going to do when you graduate college? Uh, and so I started to have to think about it a little more seriously. And I knew I really enjoyed being an English major. I really enjoyed working with the literature and writing that I had a chance to study when I was an undergrad. And I felt like if I could continue working with literature, that would be you know, a real pleasure. And I, I did think about the people uh, I knew in my life, the adults I knew in my life who seemed to enjoy their work the most, who seemed to, to derive uh, the, the most joy from the work that they did. And I thought about my teachers back at Shadyside. I, and so I thought if I could, if I could make a career, you know, out of working with literature and working with young people and have, you know, exciting conversations about books like Catcher in the Rye, you know, and some of the other uh, material I had studied when I was in high school, I thought that would be, that would be a life well spent. Very cool. What do you love? I mean, you clearly love what you do. Um, and these you. are, these <laughs> are some pretty uh, wild times we're in right now. What do you love most about being at Shadyside right now? You've been here for a while in different capacities. What are you, what are you feeling really good about and loving right now? Yeah, and if you want to talk about right now, you know, while we are in, you know, this, this crazy circumstance of the, of the lockdown and the Zoom classes, I really have appreciated the, the thought and generosity of the students we have. Uh, when I look at the discussion board postings that I've really shifted to in a big way, you know, on an almost daily basis now, what I ask the kids to do when we don't meet synchronously via Zoom, I ask them to, to respond to something uh, on a discussion board. And kids, kids are still, you know, being real, like I said, thoughtful and generous with their responses. I still get, you know, paragraph or multi-paragraph responses from kids. And, you know, we're all working, you know, in a pass-fail system right now. And, you know, rather than just mailing it in and, you know, giving it some kind of just, you know, pro forma kind of attention, uh, the kids have been great. And I've really, uh, you know, again, valued, you know, the, the student body we get to work with and, and the way they respond to what we ask of them. Paul, my, my guess, if, if we re reflect back a little bit, that you, <laughs> you, you might have just described a little bit of what you were like as a Shadyside student, I'm guessing. Oh. But, but, uh, but maybe I'm wrong. I, can, you, can you tell us a little bit, you know, as you reflect back, who, who was Paul Azak, the, the Shadyside uh, senior school student? What, you know. <laughs> he was pretty dorky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pretty dorky, pretty straight-laced, Chad. <laughs> like I, get, uh, I probably never really encountered anybody who works in your office. <laughs> you know, like, my file was pretty thin when I left here. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but I, yeah, I, but I did. I, of course, I... I you don't come back to, to teach at your own modern unless you really uh, enjoyed your time and valued your time with the place. Uh, and so I really, I really uh, thought it was a, a real privilege um, when I was in high school to be a part of, of the school and all that it had to offer. I loved the cross country team. You know, that was a really powerful experience for me. 
uh, over my four years at Shadyside. Uh, those were my best friends. I remain best friends with those guys. We still try to get together, you know, every month at Minio's to, you know, hang out and, you know, have pizza together and just goof around and kind of, you know, fall back into all the goofy routines that we had <laughs> here in high school. And so, yeah, that, that, you know, so, I mean, I'm sure that's not shocking given that I'm the cross country coach now to hear sure. that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the place and I, I thought it had a, a lot to offer and I felt I was really lucky, lucky to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, it's, that's great. It, it's interesting to think about the, how you've probably, you know, paid all that forward. I mean, I'm fascinated. Like, it's amazing that you meet monthly with your, with, you know, a group of your teammates. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and I can imagine that that experience very much informs kind of how you um, mentor and coach your team too. And, and just the, the kind of, continued impact that that's had on the the culture of the team and all the kids that have gone through the program were there if you pause for a second and kind of think about the people that really impacted you uh the adults that really impacted you as a high school student is there anyone in particular that comes to mind as a favorite teacher or somebody that really made a difference uh, to you oh you know a lot come to mind you know like i said before you know i i do what i do in part because i just uh you know, was so impressed by so many of the people uh, who taught me when I was at Shadyside. And so I think about, you know, we were talking about cross country. Uh, and so you have to talk about Bill McConnell. Uh, he was the cross country coach from, from 1967 until uh, 2007. And yeah, that's a run. And uh, I joke, I joke that, uh, you know, Shadyside cross country is the only team with more coaching stability than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so Bill McConnell, of course, uh, was a huge influence and meant a lot to me. Uh, and of course, it meant a lot to be able to come back and coach with him then uh, for the first 10 years that I came back. And uh, John Satula, uh, is another name that comes to mind. He taught me uh, my philosophy class when I was a senior. Uh, and, you know, special mention has to be made of Buddy Hendershot. Uh, Buddy was my English teacher. He was my senior year advisor. He was my track and field coach. Uh, and, you know, anybody who knows me knows that, uh, but, you know, Buddy has remained a, a close mentor and a deep, deep friend uh, over the years uh, for me. So, uh, Buddy has been a, a really special person in my life. Indeed, and uh, and in so many others, obviously. I mean, I mm -hmm. um, am somebody who's new, relatively new to Shadyside, and before I even got here, um, I think my first connection was actually through an alum from the class of 97 or 98, and um, Carl and Alo, shout out to the Alo sisters. Um, <laughs> but... I think she was the, she was the first person who said, you, you, there's a guy named Buddy Hendershot. You've got to say hi for me. Um, and uh, clearly a legend in his own right at Shadyside. Um, I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of high school for, for a lot of us, it, you know, certainly for me and, and also for, for kids at, at that developmental stage and in an environment of a sort of a high achieving school like Shadyside, the expectation I think is that, you know, everyone is ex excelling all of the time and, and, yeah. and, you know, that culture is, can be really positive in a lot of ways because I think, I think it, it, it sort of raises the, the collective bar uh, in terms of kind of how we are interacting with one another, the work that we're doing. 
Um, but the, the downside, of course, is that failure is inevitable on some level and kids can experience that in different ways. And, and, and it becomes sort of abnormal, right? Um, or yeah. perception anyway, is that it can be abnormal to, to not succeed all that time. Um, right. Can you share an experience where you either, you know, in your own estimation failed or really questioned um, your, your own capabilities as a high school student? As a high school student, um, you know, I remember, you know, uh, you know, not getting into my, I, I remember not getting into my first choice school, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we're right in your wheelhouse now, Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I really felt, uh, you know, th uh, that I'd had success in school. Uh, I, you know, I felt like, you know, I had, um, you know, worked hard and <clears throat> I, done some good things and I felt good about the the position I put myself in and so when that didn't happen that yeah that was hard that was a disappointment uh for me and you know my goodness you know the first thing I would say <laughs> after just hearing myself say that aloud is how, is how you know ridiculous it, it it was that that <laughs> that that you know hurt uh that not getting into my first choice school <laughs> hurt. Um, right. But it did. And so, you know, I, I will say when, when those decisions start happening for, for seniors now, and, you know, when I work with seniors now, and those decisions happen, and, and kids, you know, face that disappointment, I, I understand it. And I, and I, I empathize, you know, with that feeling that you, you've, you know, you've worked hard, you thought you've, you've put yourself in a good position, you feel like you've earned it, you know, it's uh, uh, something that you feel you uh, have earned. I, and so to not get that, yeah, that was, that was, a, that, I, rem I remember that in high school. That was, that was tough. Yeah. That pain is, that pain is real. Um, and even, even though with, with sort of hindsight, right. It, it and, and perspective, it, it, yeah, we can sort of chuckle at those kinds of moments, but yes, when they're happening, it's not, it's not fun too. I mean, I mm -hmm. can relate to that as well. What about um, beyond, what about beyond high school? I mean, the path you've described sounds so smooth. Uh, you know, I loved literature. Yeah. I studied English, got this great gig at a really fine prep school, yeah. did my thing, got my dream job, settled in. <laughs> Here we yeah. are. Uh, yeah. Was there anything beyond? <laughs> well, yeah, I used well, the, I mean, uh, everybody has the things beyond, but, uh, you know, was there something that was, came along the way, um, a, a failure or a time when you were challenged beyond that? Yeah, I mean, but you know what you're saying, I, I do keep in the forefront of my mind, Lord. You know, I, I joke, there's the uh, line from Macbeth, you know, I have lived a charmed life. <laughs> <laughs> and I do, I do feel very lucky that way, uh, you know, with all that, with all that uh, has, has been good for me and the people who have been good to me uh, to make a lot of that happen. Um, you know, I've, I've applied for things and, you know, since then, certainly since high school, you know, when I... I uh, graduated from college. I had a uh, job as an intern at Culver Academies, and I worked there for a year. It was a one-year gig. You know, they, they let you know that up front that they would give you this experience as a kind of launching pad uh, if you wanted to go into teaching, you know, and then you, you would go and, and, you know, pursue things from there. Mm -hmm. and, and I really thought that with that job in place, you know, it was sort of like, you know, my high school feeling a little bit, that with that job in place, you now boom, like there would be something almost waiting for me that, uh, you know, this would be just the experience I needed on a, on a, you know, young person's resume and I'd be all set and I got nothing. <laughs> like, I applied to places and I did not get anything. 
and I found myself, you know, moving back home for a year, uh, which was not what I wanted to do. I love my parents dearly, uh, but it was certainly not in my plans to move back home for a year, you know, while I, I went through another round of applying for jobs. Um, and I definitely, and, and I, you know what, and I did, I did learn that you, you do have to be a little more tenacious uh, in the job hunt. I definitely learned that lesson. And I think it, it did pay off, you know, in getting the job up at Kimball Union for the next year. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you go through these yeah. things, you, you learn things in hindsight, like you were saying, <clears throat> Chad, uh, and, you, and you move forward. And, and you, I think, you know, to another part of what you were, you were asking initially, and I think you do, you know, throughout it, try to remain true to like who you are. Like you don't let, you know, these kinds of disappointments or judgments of you kind of overwhelm you. Like you, you have to take stock, you know, from them. I think it's good to learn from them. And I think you also, you know, try to balance that by not letting, you know, some kind of rejection or disappointment, uh, you know, overwhelm your sense of, of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, Paul, is there something that you're doing now that you didn't think you'd be doing just a few years ago? You've done a lot of different, like a lot of people who have long tenures and within a school environment, you've worn many, many hats. Uh, but is there something either professionally or maybe it's just personally that you're doing now that, that you never would have imagined? Like pursuing? other than Zoom classes, Chad? Other than, <laughs> other than this, yeah. <laughs> Other than the fact that you haven't left your house for six weeks. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I would, you know, I talked to Liz Garvey about this a lot. I, a real evolution in my, in my work and in my teaching as an English teacher has been my growth in working with creative nonfiction. Hmm. I, I felt very comfortable from very early in my career teaching, you know, what people call the, the traditional analytic essay you know, writing a, uh, an, an analytic essay about, about a work of literature, using text from that literature to uh, support an argument, you know, and so you, you ask, you, you create a prompt like, who is re most responsible for the events that happen in Macbeth, you know, and the students, you know, take a position and then have to develop it with uh, material from the play. That was a kind of essay that I, I felt comfortable with. Uh, from very early on that I work with, but but something that I really enjoy uh, more and more, you know, is the is the creative nonfiction piece. And so we'll read something now, and it'll still be uh, it'll still be an essay kind of inspired by the literature, but not necessarily about the literature. And so we'll read uh, lines composed over uh, Tintern Abbey, you know, the Tintern Abbey poem by Wordsworth, in which. You know, he writes about a place that meant a great deal to him, that has always ha been special to him, uh, but he's been away from it for five years. He, he had a history with the place, went away from it for five years, and then, you know, the poem's all about his return and how he feels upon returning to that spot. And I'll now feel uh, just as in interested, maybe more interested, in uh, reading from the kids an essay uh, with a prompt like, tell me about a place that's been like this for you, yeah. you know, maybe it's a vacation spot. Maybe your family likes to go to the beach every summer and, you know, you return there and, you know, tell me about that, uh, that vacation that uh, your family has had over the years and, you know, what has changed and what has stayed the same for you, you know, about the place or about you, you know, those kinds of essays, you know, I've really just taken a greater, you know, and greater interest in, uh, because I think, uh, 
I think it's important to engage the kids with, with different kinds of writing. You know, I think I, I want them to recognize that uh, when we talk about writing, we're not just talking about, you know, the traditional analytic essay. Uh, and I want them at the same time to realize that the same elements of good writing apply no matter, you know, that I, I don't want them to think that suddenly they need to write in a totally different way. You know, I want them to realize that, that a lot of the same principles still apply. You know, you still want to have a main idea. You develop in parts and that you use yeah. specific details to, um, to support. And so, yeah, that's, that's been a real uh, fun, interesting kind of change uh, in, in the way I approach writing with the kids. I forget what question started. Yeah, well, no. so so that's that's kind of where I ended up going yeah. with it. Oh, that's okay. I think what, what's interesting about that too is that there's a component of, of self-exploration mm -hmm. or, or sort of self-awareness self that, that kids are forced to kind of mine uh, in, a, in an assignment like that. That's a little bit different than probably than the traditional kind of analytical essay too. Yeah, um, oh yeah. That, that's something that Lauren and I have been really interested in. And in part why, you know, part why we're pursuing this podcast project is just, is the idea of being able to tell the story of who we are and model that for, for young people, because that's something that I think a lot of times in independent schools or high achieving schools, we spend a lot of time in our head and not, not so much in our heart mm -hmm. and sort of kind of whatever we can do to kind of connect those two. Uh, and I think as an English teacher, you probably see that more often than, in, in all of the different disciplines, but. Yeah, it's been, it, you know, it, it's uh, the, the question that I, I find myself asking the class a lot now is, is the question, why does reading, you know, fill in the blank matter? Mm. You know, because, so, because I don't want, you know, what we study to just kind of be purely a mental gymnastic. You know, I think there's merit in that. Uh, I think it's worthwhile to engage in, in, in any kind of mental gymnastic like that, but I don't want them to just see the material at arm's length. I'm sure lots of us do, you know, in every discipline, sure. I think uh, that's important to us. Uh, but yeah, I want, I want them to think, you know, like right now we're reading Brave New World in my freshman class, you know, and I've, I've asked them, you know, in uh, Zoom lessons and regular uh, and in discussion boards, you know, why does reading Brave New World matter? Like, why, 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 we, why does it still matter to read this? Mm -hmm. yep. And and so as as you think about the future, um, what is one or two? What are one or two things that you're really wrestling with, or what is um, kind of keeping you up at night? And maybe what are one or two <laughs> things that keep you hopeful for the future? Oh, you know, we work with kids, so you got to you, know, you always feel helpful for the future when you work with kids. You know, we have we have great students. You know, like we were talking about before. You know, they uh, bring tons of great things to our classes every day. Uh, and so, you know, I feel really good about the future when I think about, you know, a lot of the people and kids in my classes and the fact that they'll go on uh, and that they will, that a lot of them will be in, in positions of influence in the world and when in whatever, you know, field, whether it's finance or medicine or law or, or entertainment, who knows, you know, whatever, uh, government and politics. And, you know, what I, you know, there are a number of faces and names coming to mind, you know, for me right now. Uh, and when I think of those people as, as moving forward and, and being in positions of influence, I, I feel good about that. We have, good, we have great kids. Um, and so that's, yeah, that's, that's something I'm hopeful about and, and feel good about with the future. Uh, you know, on a less, uh, you know, maybe 
High-minded yeah. front. Paul, you're supposed to end with the positive. You went the wrong direction. So now we're <laughs> oh, on the high. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. just kidding. I'm no. just kidding. Yeah, bring us know. down. Bring us down. Bring us bring away us from down? the hole. What am I not worried? Something I'm worried about? I don't know. I don't worry about too much, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, well, I you know, like, like every parent, I worry about my kids, mm -hmm. you know, uh, not in any kind of dire manner or anything like that. But, uh, you know, like every, like every parent, I, I, I want the best for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're in sixth grade now, which means they're kind of on the cusp of, uh, of adolescence and young adulthood. And uh, they're, they're moving more and more kind of beyond the sphere that my wife and I can control. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, you want the world to be good to them. Yeah. You know, they're, they're definitely moving, you know, beyond the, the stage of life that we can protect them in, in any and every way. Uh, and, you know, I, I want the world to, to be good to them and for them to be good to the world. <laughs> so, yeah, I have that, you know, like any, any parent, I worry about that. Yeah. Do you think you're... Do you think being a parent has changed your teaching and your work with kids? Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, just in, you know, in terms of the patience, you know, in yeah. terms of realizing, you know, what is not going to be most important to them. <laughs> you know, I think we get great attention from our students, but certainly when I see, you know, my own kids and what matters to them, uh, understandably. It, uh, yeah, I mean, being a parent changes everything. I, 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 I'll tell my students that, like, you're just going to have to take it on faith. <laughs> you know, I'll, they'll, we'll come across something in the reading, and I'll say, you, you just have to take it on faith for me right now that, you know, someday when you have kids, you will hear this differently. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one future goal you have for yourself. Yeah, I want, my, I want my bowling average above 185. Nice. <laughs> so tell us about your bowling, Paul. Tell us about your bowling. Yeah. How did you get into bowling? How often do you do it? Come on. Sure. I, I started bowling when I was when I was probably in about sixth or seventh grade. I was a I was a McKnight Lanes Thunderball. <laughs> McKnight Lanes was this big alley on McKnight Road uh, in the North Hills. Once upon a time, there's a Bed Bath and Beyond there. Oh, <laughs> devastating is that? From a bowling alley to Bed Bath and Beyond. Oh no. It's like sign of the apocalypse or something. Oh man! But, uh, so yeah, I bowled when I was a kid. Um, you know, on Saturday mornings, you know, it was just something. But you know, my I, my parents probably signed me up for it, so I'd have something to do besides watch cartoons. And um, I was away from it for a long time. And I will tell you how it. I, I will actually tell you how it came about. So I used to when one of my best friends. We were talking about my best friends from high school a few minutes ago. So one of them, Todd Green, was in town for a while uh, when he was in med school. He he went away you know, for his undergrad years and then came back to Pittsburgh to go to uh, Pitt Med School. And I was at Shadyside and Todd and I had a standing weekly get together uh, and we would hang out and we would actually meet at the uh, Damon's at the Waterworks, if you, for those of you who remember that. Yeah, I remember, the, I remember the fireballs. That's what yeah. I remember about Damon's. <laughs> So, so they had this, you know, trivia game there on Tuesday nights and Todd Green and I would play this trivia game there every Tuesday night. That was like our, our night out and we had a great time. And then, you know, med school ended for Todd and he went away to Maine. He got, had, did his residency up at a hospital there and I suddenly didn't have my night out anymore. And I was like, oh no, you know, what do I do? And I, I happened to go bowling with my nephew uh, over a winter break, you know, whenever that was all happening. 
And I was at the bowling alley and I thought, hey, I like bowling. Like I could do this. And I just went up to the front desk and I said, hey, are there any leagues that are looking for guys? Uh, you know, I'd like, to, I'd like to sign up. And so boom, I got the call and I've been in the league ever since. That was probably, you know, the early 2000s. And yeah, That's cool. Thursday nights. <laughs> Thursday night ball. <laughs> well, as you know, Thursday nights are a big night, big big day in uh, in the dean's office because of uh, certain Mr. Janosko uh, constantly, you know, gearing up for the evening ahead. Yes. You can tell how on Friday it's always interesting to see how he's doing, you know, because you can I know. tell if it was a good night or not. He's but, so competitive. It's a riot. So competitive. Um. Cool. Well, we're going to move into our, uh, our lightning round. So these are short sort of quick fire questions. Um, and you know, I think the, as you know, the NFL draft is coming up soon. This is a long segue into a short question, but, um, the NFL (laughs) draft is coming up and I think the rules have all changed. I read recently where there's no dress code this year for the, for the, uh, draftees. Um, but, Normally, you know, when you get picked, they play a song as you walk out. And I think that you can actually, so kind of like, you know, if you were a a Pittsburgh pirate and you were going out to bat. So what's your, what's your walkout song? What's your, what's your get psyched song? Uh, Oh, Star Wars opening theme. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like when when, when Star Wars first shows up and you get the crawl, boom. Boom. All right. (laughs) Star Wars. Uh, How about your favorite food? Oh, if anything my mom would make. Mom was a great cook. Mom was okay. the best. And there, there was like endless great food in the house when I grew up. She loved to cook. And man, did we benefit from that passion. <laughs> uh, so anything my mom made was really good. <laughs> Excellent. Um, this, one, this one's interesting for the English teacher, but um, a book that you've read recently and enjoyed. Yeah, the unbearable lightness of being. I'm I'm teaching it right now. It's it's. It, I first came across it a couple of years ago, I uh, and I reread it again over spring break to to prepare for class. And man, just the the insight, the relationship dynamics, and that the overlap between the personal lives and the the political intrigue of the time. Uh, it's dazzling. Interesting. I. I might have to go dig out my copy and and reread that. I've been. That's what I've been doing in our. COVID-19 state is trying to trying to get away from my screen. So I've been pulling books off of the bookshelf that haven't been cracked since, you know, in decades. So that might be the next one. Um, what's one thing that you have changed your mind about? Ooh, I don't know. Changed my mind about, uh, what would I say? You know what, here, <laughs> this just popped into my head. You know, I, I grew up with beach vacations. <laughs> that's that's what we did that was that was the azac uh way we'd go to the beach for a week and hunker down on a beach va- vacation uh but you know what like my family loves the disney vacation and i was like when that first came along i was like really like i, I don't know like wouldn't it be better just and you know what i love it we have a, we have the best time i am totally sold on the place and so yeah i Totally am willing, you know, worship at the House of Mouse now, All right. uh, which I've been taught before. Like anybody who knows me is like, uh, I thought, yeah. yeah, I thought you were going to go mountains or yeah. something. I did not anticipate. Oh, okay. I did. Uh, <laughs> no, no okay. we love it. <laughs> uh, and last but not least, uh, what is your suit? If you had a, if you were to have a superpower or maybe you have a secret 
kind of secret uh, superpower or secret weapon, what, it, what is it or what would that be? Oh, superpower? Come on, you gotta fly. Like it starts <laughs> with flying. Like whatever superpower you have, it's gotta start with the ability to fly, just to rocket across the sky in a cape. Like I know uh, in Incredibles that, that Edna, you know, was against capes. She was like, no, they just make trouble for the superheroes. They just, you know, they get in the way, they get sucked into turbine engines and things. She says, no capes, no way. I want a cape and I want to rocket across the sky in my cape, Chad. <laughs> All right. Well, I was, I was hoping that I would come up with a great segue for this because I've been able to hear your signature laugh multiple times in this interview. And if yes. I was going to say what your secret weapon would be, I would say that most people at Shady Side know your booming, carrying <laughs> laugh, which is just consistently spreads positivity down the halls. I'm lucky enough to have an office across from some of the classrooms that you teach in. And I would say comments on your laugh happen um, with some frequency. So if I was going to pick your secret weapon, that's what I would say. One of <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you. So, like, so, yeah, and I... Uh, thank you for uh, saying nice things about, you know, having to hear it from across your <laughs> office. <laughs> I know, I, I have no objection when another teacher, you know, stops by my room and closes the door. Well, they always do it with a smile. People are very nice about it. But I know exactly what that's about. And I say every time, like, no, you're right. Don't worry. I'm being too loud. <laughs> so the, the final question here, and this is um, that we have asked all, all, of our, all of our guests on the show, is to think about one actionable personal challenge for our listeners, something you would challenge us to do better in this community and, and beyond. You know, I, there's a poem I really like by Whitman. Uh, I, I can't remember the title right now, you know, but the, the, the poem, you know, is all about, you know, cherishing the everyday and the commonplace. You know, the, the poem, you know, expresses with every line and, and Whitman does a great job of, uh, of what is called cataloging, you know, uh, stringing together a series of, of concrete images uh, to illustrate what he means. And in that poem, he, he just moves through a wonderful litany of the everyday, you know, that, uh, that he values. Um, and, I, and I think that's, that's the challenge for every one of us. You know, I, I think we can appropriately, you know, find ourselves uh, thinking about goals and hopes and dreams and, and all of that matters for sure. Uh, but I, I think the cherishing and the, and the um, uh, value of, of the everyday, uh, because that's, that, that's the moment we live in. You know, mm -hmm. we can plan for tomorrow, we can do all of that, you know, but we live now. And so that's, that's I think, the challenge for, for us to, to cherish the everyday. Great. Great reminder to us all, especially in these especially now, trying yes. times. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, thank you, Paul. Thanks for doing this with us. We're really lucky to have you as a friend and a colleague. And <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks a ton, you guys. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beyond Hello. There's no greater way for us to understand one another in our worlds than to connect through our stories and experiences. Be sure to check out the highlights and details from each conversation in the episode notes. You can also drop us a line at beyondhellopodcast at gmail.com to share your thoughts and ideas with us. We'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to all who have helped us with this project. 
including but not limited to James Knox for his technical production expertise, Chase Maybald, Shadyside Class of 2018, and Mason Tomlin, Shadyside Class of 2020 for music production, Nancy Wang, Shadyside Class of 2021 for our artwork, and the countless hosts of various podcasts that have inspired us to step up and create one of our own. I'm Lauren Lieberman. And I'm Chad Green. And we thank you sincerely for going with us beyond hello.